You know, Thanksgiving's over. You've officially today got 24 days of shopping <laughs> from today. But don't worry, because we can shop seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And if you've got Amazon Prime, you can have it there the next day or two days. So you'll be good. But uh, according to the Washington Post, this, this statistic blows my mind. UPS will deliver somewhere. This is just UPS. This isn't FedEx and the US Mail. This is just UPS. UPS will deliver 750 million packages this holiday season. See, they do all the work. We just point, click, and deliver. See, and if you want your friends and family who enjoy waiting for stuff, I, I ordered some at one time for my granddaughter. It was a phone case for her phone. It's not, her phone's not hooked up. She's sick. She's got a phone. She's got one of my old iPhones that she plays with. And she wanted a phone case, and it because it's all one, I had to order it. I ordered it from Amazon Prime. So when she knew it was coming, as I said, it'll be delivered today. When she got home from school, the mail opened. She looked out of her window for like two, three, four hours waiting for this package to be delivered. A phone case. Okay? And she so she enjoys waiting for packages. There's a lot of people that enjoy waiting for packages. They'll, they'll wait because they've got something delivered and they go check their mailbox 15 times in one day because they've got a check coming on something and the mailman's not on time and they're worried and, and there's, there's some anticipation. There's something exciting about waiting for something. You know, if, you, if, if you've got friends that love bacon, you can, you can, you can subscribe to Bacon of the Month. It, I think it's a bit pricey. I love bacon, but I think it's a bit pricey. It's $50 a month, but, wait, they include free shipping. It's $50 a month, they two pounds of bacon. That's $25 a pound. That's better be some good bacon. That'll be massaged bacon and whatever, but that's $25 a pound, but I like bacon. But anyway, and, and if you don't like bacon, you can get the pickle of the month club. Can you imagine ordering pickles? I don't know. I like pickles too, but not enough to order pickles in the mail. You get two jars of pickles for 28 months. Wow. And, and Or if you don't like pickles, and everybody, never enough everybody likes this, unless you're allergic to peanuts, peanut butter and jelly club. They send you a jar of peanut butter, gourmet peanut butter, let's get it straight, and gourmet jam for $26 a month. One jar of each. I'm not signing up for none of this stuff. I'm just saying, if you've got people to wait, and you've got lots of money to waste, don't do that, give to our church. <laughs> <laughs> and I will go buy you the jam and, 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 and peanut butter. Okay? <laughs> yep. Just write the word gourmet, take the sticker off. But just think about the expectation on, on, on people's faces if they were waiting for breakfast, like my granddaughter. And I'm not talking about big dog, but we have expectations. We, we like to, to wait. And we're waiting, they was waiting, the prophets were waiting on an expected delivery. An expected delivery. A number of years ago, CNN told the story of Charles McKinley's attempt at another approach to surprise and and, and his family for some holiday. So he mailed himself from New York, from New York to Dallas. 
And guess what? He was successful until the last mailman who dealt with the package. He's wheeling it to the door and he notices some movement in the crate. So he calls the police. The police show up. They... This, this will resonate with some of our people that come to church. <laughs> the people, the people, the police show up and they don't arrest him because he shipped himself in the mail. They arrest him because he's got two outstanding warrants in, in Texas. <laughs> so if you're going to mail yourself, make sure you don't have any outstanding warrants is the moral of that story. Okay. Christmas is certainly time of waiting and expectation. You can feel it if you've got children that that or grandchildren that you buy presents for and and or you're around, you see the expectation of them as it gets closer to Christmas, they just get wilder and wilder and then they're so excited. You know what I used to my mum uh, on Christmas Eve, Santa used to leave our stuff just in case there's anybody in there. Well, Santa used to put our stuff in a big black plastic bag. It looked just like the garbage bags we all used. And, and my mum had four children. She worked really hard. She was raising them on her own. And, and what she would do is, at Christmas morning, Christmas night, when she would go to sleep, she would put them bags on the end of our beds. And then we, how we knew we had prisons in, in Santa account is... He would feel a big bag of Christmas presents. We could I don't care what time of morning it was. If it was one o'clock, I'm up, I'm unwrapping them presents and playing them until I get tired. Or I go lay down on the, on, and watch some cartoons playing on my things because they always had some cartoons coming on on Christmas morning. So, But I was so excited I couldn't sleep. You know, I could go to sleep. And I wouldn't stay asleep because I was expecting this delivery. I was expecting. That's how prophets felt, by the way, about Jesus. They was expecting this delivery. You know, as we prepare and wait, though, it occurs to me that the vast majority of our lives, we wait. Most of our, our, our life is about preparation. You know, a fraction of our life is filled with actual experiences. We're always preparing for the experience, the celebration, or the doing of stuff. You know, take Thanksgiving dinner. If anybody prepared Thanksgiving dinner, it takes a long time, doesn't it? I mean, I, I started preparing my Thanksgiving turkey the day before. You know, but then it's not just the preparing your turkey, like frying it and whatever you're going to do with it. It's, it's, you've got to go to the store and get everything you need and, and, and get everything. All of that is preparation. It's all about preparation. And how long did it take us to eat that meal? I mean, we put a lot of effort in that meal. You'd think we could drag it out a little bit, wouldn't you? I mean, not, not in my family. Half an hour and you've got a clear table. Not actually in my family you've got a clear table, but everybody's full because I cook too much food. You know, take camping for If you go camping, if you go camping, actually, you're just waiting and preparing outdoors. You know, you've got to prepare the fire to stay warm. You've got to prepare the tents so you can sleep. You've got to, you've got to prepare the meals for cooking and eating. You're always preparing. 
I mean, and, and I'm not saying camping's bad. My wife thinks camping's bad, so we don't go camping. But, camp, <laughs> but, but, but there's a lot of preparing. And you're always preparing. In fact, preparation is often the point. I think, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that the short time we're on earth is more about preparation that for eternity in heaven than what we accomplish on earth. That's not a stretch. In fact, the best use of our time on earth is to prepare our hearts to become more like Jesus. It is, it is then to prepare our hearts to become more like Jesus and to help others get prepared to meet Jesus and have them prepare their hearts for heaven. That's the most important thing that we can do. And it's all about preparation. The primary point of the Old Testament is preparation for this, for, the, for one moment. The moment that we're going to celebrate, the birth of Christ. That is the whole purpose of the Old Testament. See, it, it, it takes place directly after Adam and Eve's sin. The, the word proto-evangelium, anybody ever heard of that? It means first gospel. Okay? The proto-evangelium. Protos means is, is the Greek word for first, and evangelium is the word for either good news or the gospel. And it takes place directly after Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Genesis 3.15 says this, And I will put enmity, this is what most Christians that know what that word means, this is what it refers to, the proto-evangelium, the first gospel. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the prophecy. This is the first prophecy of the good news. That, that you know, you messed up, Adam and Eve. You consci consciously made a decision to sin. The devil may have tempted you, but you consciously chose that choice to eat the apple. And right after that, God, talking to the devil, says, this is what's going to happen. This is the good news. This is the first proclamation of good news in the Bible. The offspring that he's talking about is obviously the one who we're going to celebrate, the birth of Jesus. That's who he's talking about. From the moment of the first sin onward, the entire Old Testament prepares us and points us to this one great moment when our Savior and Messiah came to save us from the curse. The law and all the temple sacrifices show us that we need a, a Savior. You know the Old Testament exists. To point us to Jesus. The Old Testament says, look, you can't do it. You are a loser. Doesn't matter where you look. That's what it says in the Old Testament. That you can't do it. We need somebody to do it. And that somebody is God. The slavery and sorrow of the Israelites points to our bondage. We will face before we acknowledge his arrival, before you accept that he is your Lord and Savior. The bondage, that's what you're in. 
you're in bondage. You're a slave to something. The prophets looked and longed for his coming. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah was inspired by God to look forward to his birth. And this is what he said. He said, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephraim, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old and ancient days. Chris Tomlin, uh, Mon Hinfra claims, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God incarnate, here to dwell. Praise his name, Emmanuel. You see, the one from ancient times who Micah is, is talking about has more than 100 different names in the Bible. He has more than 100 different names. He is called the Alpha and the Omega. Omega. He is called the Word of Life. He is called the Bright Morning Star. He is the Light of the World. He is I Am. He is the Ancient of Days. And He is Jesus. See, his name, Emmanuel, means God with us. And when Jesus arrived, he came humbly, quietly, in a small and forgotten town that didn't even have a proper room for his arrival. But let's not allow his circumstances that he chose, by the way, to fulfill these prophet prophecies, confuse what child this is. This child is the ancient one. He is the creator. He is the author and giver of life. He is the word of God. You see, for 400 years, the Israelites and the prophets looked to him and waited for his rescue. You see, Advent is the perfect time for us to wait and prepare. It, as the prophets waited for Jesus' arrival, we don't wait for his arrival. He's already arrived. We are preparing for his second coming because Jesus is going to come back. In some ways, we know that Micah, Isaiah, Moses, how they feel and so many who looked for Jesus was going through. We know how they, what they felt because we are waiting too. See, like them, we know that Jesus is coming again, and we don't know when. Like them, we need to prepare our hearts to receive and grow in him. Now, as we anticipate the day, we will meet him face to face. Because everybody's going to meet him face to face. You know, like them, we know Jesus is coming. While we do not know when Jesus is coming, nobody knows when Jesus is coming. You can be certain that we will all, <coughs> amen, we are all in our last days. See, we will soon witness his arrival. Well, either Jesus will come back. He might come back before I preach this message, and I will sit down and let him preach, okay? But Jesus is coming back. But it might not be in my lifetime. It might not be in your lifetime, or it might be in the next 20 seconds. We don't know. We should be ready. But we are in our last days because we will either meet him this side of heaven or we will meet him the other side of heaven. Either way, we must be prepared. See, preparation <coughs> begins with repentance. And, and it's not a word that's talked about a lot in church. But you might say... You might say that John the Baptist was the last prophet who had, had to wait 
for Jesus' first arrival. You know, he's waiting in the, in the desert, waiting for Jesus' arrival, waiting for the Messiah to come. He shows us how to prepare our hearts for Jesus in our lives. Now, and how to prepare our hearts for Jesus' return. And this is what he says in Matthew 3, 2. This is taken out of the Message Bible because I just like the way he words uh, the repentance part instead of using the word repentance. His message was simple and a storm like the desert surroundings. Change your life. That's what repentance is. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. And by the way, he wasn't just proclaiming it for when Jesus walked out there. He was changing it now Jesus is here. Verse 8 says this in the ESV. John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And in verse 11 he declares, I baptize you with water for repentance. Repentance, it's just a simple definition. People don't use it a lot, but all repentance means is I'm going this way and my life sucks. And I'm screwing everything up. I do everything wrong. And I know, I, I finally come to the realization that this is the wrong way. And I turn a 180 and go in the opposite direction towards God who knows everything. And he knows what's best for you because guess what? He made you. He made you. So John isn't calling out you all better start feeling really guilty because that's not repentance for all the things you've done. Because I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of really nasty things in my life. But guess what? They've been paid for. They've been nailed to the cross. I can't feel guilty about stuff that's been in my past. Because if I, if I do, by the way, and if you do, guess what? You've not accepted the free gift. The free gift of, of the grace that Jesus gave you when he was nailed to the cross. You're saying that when he was nailed to the cross, that wasn't good enough to cover your sins because you're too bad. <coughs> we can't live in the past when we follow Jesus. We have to live in the future. But what John is saying is change your approach. That's another way of thinking about repentance. We need to change our approach. Reconsider how we think about things and begin to think and act differently. There's a story, made up story, about a man, and I'm going to call him George because it's made up and I like the name George. So this guy is George, and he goes into a hardware store. And he goes in there and he goes up to the clerk and he says, hey, excuse me, I need to cut down 10 trees, but I want to cut them in down in an hour. They said, can you sell me a saw that can cut these 10 trees down in an hour. And the clerk goes, yep, I've got this nice chainsaw here. And she, they, they get him the chainsaw and he bought the chainsaw. He comes in the next day. He is fuming, mad. He comes back and he says, I cut down one tree in one hour that was this thick. What's the problem? You told me this chainsaw would cut down 10 trees an hour. And the clerk says, let me take a look at that chainsaw. And they take a look at it, and they pull on the star, and they go, mm, mm, mm. and the guy goes, what's that noise? <laughs> you know, George needed to think differently about the chainsaw, didn't he? 
It wasn't working because he wasn't working it right. See, is this Christmas going to be like every other Christmas that you've been in? Or is this Christmas, that the, the, most Christmases are hurried, rushed, overwhelming, stressful. You, here's the thing. I'm not saying all them things are gone because we allow them things to come in our lives. Okay? But that's because we're not focusing on the real deal. The real deal is Jesus. It's not about presents. It's not about getting presents, giving presents. It's about Jesus, the greatest gift in the world. You see, are we going to focus that way? Or, or are we going to take our cue from the prophets of old who were waiting and preparing for his, heart, his arrival? You know, some of them prophets waited for thousands of years. I mean, they prophesied, and he didn't come the next day. But they were waiting and preparing their hearts. We will, we will instead of allowing it to be stressful, are we going to and 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 hurry? Are we going to allow it to be a time of reflection, adoration, and repentance? Because that's what it should be—a time of time to look towards Christ, not away from Him. You know, there is no better footing on the road to Jesus than a broken road with humility, understanding of our need, and the need for repentance. The psalmist wrote, wrote this in Psalms 51, 17. A broken and contrite heart, you God, will not despise. Despite the vast array of Old Testament prophecies describing the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus and purpose of the Messiah, you know, there was at least one idea that caused the vast majority of religious leaders to miss the gift when it came you know, this, I believe, is the main reason that the prophets and the Pharisees and all the, 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 all the Jewish people that were left, this is the reason they couldn't follow Jesus. Because they did not understand the significance of original sin. They did not understand that we are sinners and we need a saviour. We know that Regulations were incredibly important to them. Do you know how we know that regulations were incredibly important to them? Because they had rules on top of rules on top of rules on how to do things. That's why Jesus always got in trouble. You see, avoiding sin was paramount to them. But redemption for sin was nearly ignored. See, when they looked for salvation, they weren't really thinking about their need for salvation from sin. They, was, they were looking for salvation from oppressive people. They wanted their Messiah to come and rule and reign. And, 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 and kick all the foreign rule out and the oppressive governments away. That's what they were looking for. And their mistake, their mistaken belief about the mission of the Messiah became their most important conviction about him. That's why he was nailed to a cross. Let's not make the same mistake. Let's remember that we are in desperate need of a Savior. We are in desperate need of a Savior. Although our feelings may tell us otherwise, we might think that we need a, 
It's that's not what we need. We need a way to pay all our bills for Christmas. We 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 are desperate. We need to get everything done. So we need somebody to come in and swoop in and, and save the day and get everything done for Christmas for us. But that's not what you need. That's not what I need. I need a savior. We are desperate for a savior who will cleanse us from our sin once and for all. We need. We are in need of one who came to die for what we have done and how we have failed. Preparation increases with expectation. See, when the Chinese, how many people have seen that opening thing of the 2008, even if it was clips of the 2008 Olympics, the Chinese Olympics? They were amazing, by the way. Okay? They had a vision, an expectation to show the entire world that they had become a world power. So what did they do? In 2001, they get the call, you're going to get the 2000 Olympics, 2008 Olympics. So then, by 2007, the Chinese had built a national stadium, a national swimming center, a new shooting range, a cycle ballroom, a new national tennis center and a new national hockey center. China used more than 15,000 performers for their opening ceremonies. Of those performers, 2,200 of them were uh, took a small part in a martial arts demonstration they did. Okay, The group lived and prepared together in an army camp for three solid months. And they practice for 16 hours every day. Many of the performers were given diapers to wear during rehearsals so they don't have to take breaks. One rehearsal lasted 51 hours straight during a rainstorm. There's much to say about the Chinese uh, human rights acts. But you have to admit, that, that they delivered, what they delivered during the opening ceremony, they had huge expectations, they made tremendous preparations, and they delivered amazing results. See, have you considered how you would prepare for work or school or whatever you do today or any day if you expected Jesus to be sitting there when you arrived? How would you prepare? How would you prepare for church if you knew that the God Almighty was going to show up and meet you when you got here? He was the greeter at the door. How would you spend your time getting ready in the morning if you knew the Holy Spirit was just waiting to tell you something amazing as soon as you were ready to listen? And if you knew you were living in the last days, if you knew that Jesus was coming today, would you do things differently? If we had such expectations, surely it would affect our preparation for each season and even each day. See, actually, newsflash, Jesus will indeed be one when you get there. And school, and no matter, you fill in the blank what you're going to do, and he is going to be there. God is always ready to meet you and to reach out to meet you. 
See, and God's word is alive and it's active. See, and God is willing to speak to you if you're willing to read that word and listen. God will speak. So why are we not prepared? Why are we not getting ready? We can be certain that all of the earth are in our individual last days, regardless of how long it takes for Jesus to return. Perhaps knowing that Emmanuel is here with us now, was here with us yesterday, and will be here with us tomorrow, and will, as we prepare for this Christmas uh, work, school, church, and even tomorrow morning. He will be there. First Peter 1, 3 to 4 says this, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That's what drives us, a living hope. Not a dead hope. A living hope. He is alive and well. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Preparation begins with fruit, brings fruit. There's one test that demonstrates whether or not you or another person has repented our belief, our behavior changes. You know, that's what repentance is. A behavior change. See, if a person commits a sin against you and then apologizes and then does the same thing again, have they really repented? We are not talking about forgiveness here. Forgiveness is found in the strength of the cross, not the strength of our apologies or will. We are talking about repentance. Now I'm sure that that friend who apologized is truly sorry. I believe that they intended not to continue in that sin. However, the fruit of the life shows whether or not they have. It's a change of heart. They've got to have a change of heart. Not, that's what God has to change, their heart. In the same way, the fruit of our life shows our pre preparation through repentance. Some, sometimes the change is incremental. It, sometimes we know that we might, somebody else will notice it, but you don't notice it because it's so small. But it, it's changing. And it takes time and, until it's complete. But if you're walking away from sin, if you're not walking away from sin, you haven't repented. If you still dive into the same sin pool, you have not repented of that sin. You are still trying. I think the difference between feeling sorry and repenting is found in understanding how ugly and damaging the sin really is. See, we're sorry, but the need, this, we're sorry, we're sorry, whoever's sinning, sorry, but the need that that sin meets the draw that sin has on our life or the habit we've built is stronger than our repulsion of that sin. That's why we keep doing it. You see, that's why often we have to hit rock bottom. 
You know, people who give up drinking, they didn't think that that sin was bad until they hit rock bottom, until there was nowhere else to go. No matter if you put your sin there, whatever it is, when it's blatantly pointed out and it's, it's ruining your life, then you can turn away from it. And, and, and guess what? You need the help to turn away from it. You see, they, they can turn around. We have to see the real impact, the ugliness, and the ugliness of our sin. Its ugliness has to become great enough for us to say, I'll do whatever it takes to never go there again. You see, Lord, you, 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 you pray like this, Lord God, please help me, show me where I can go and what I can do to turn my back on it and to be free of it. See, our sincerity is proven when we live the way we live and the help we seek because nobody in this room can do this alone. For one, we need accountability partner, at least, to help us stand true and point the sin out to us if it's there. You do it because you're you, you, next to each other. You love each other. You encourage each other. You build each other up. And that's how you've got to seek help. And it shows by the way you pray to God about that sin and about getting rid of that sin. And then it's shown in the choices we make because everything is a choice. Everything we do is a choice. We have free will and we can say, yes, I'm going to do that. Or no, I'm going to walk away. Do you want to know if you're preparing for Christ's arrival? Do you want proof that you're getting ready for Advent? Just answer this question. Is my life bearing fruit? Galatians uh, 5, 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. That's not the test of whether or not you're saved. Just want to clear that up. The test for your salvation is found in Romans 10.9. Repentance and salvation are not the same thing. Salvation is, is found in Romans 9 when it says, if you, talking to anybody in this room or anybody in the world, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And John 3.16 says, Who, whoever. Now, I know nobody in except David knows Greek, but in Greek that whoever is whoever. That means anybody. Whoever. So it doesn't matter who it is. If they believe in him, they shall not perish and have eternal life. That's where we get our salvation from. That is grace and that is a gift from God. And we have to take God at his word. Do you know why? Because God never lies. Never. The test for a heart that is active in its preparation to meet Jesus is the test of whether or not we see evidence of fruit in our lives. There are all sorts of varieties of, of, of fruit. Increased service, if you're, you want to serve more. 
a closer relationship with God, a great ability to encourage others instead of bringing others down. Because when we are deep in sin, guess what we love to do? Tear people down instead of build people up. A stronger family life, victory over sin, greater peace, and deeper love. See, think of, of your life Three or four Christmases ago. Just three or four Christmases ago. Do you have more fruit in your life now? If you look at the things I just said, do you have more of them today than you did then? Well, then you're getting ready. Keep going. You are effectively prepared. Maybe you, you go on doing this slow, but that's okay. It's God's time and not yours. He's in charge. If not, it's not too late. If you're not, if, if you don't, if you're not better through repent of complacency and religion or anything else holding you back, draw near to Him in expectation and look for ways to be fruitful. Live out your life. Christmas is coming. The second advent is coming. In our expectation, let's get prepared. Expected rescue. The promise Malachi, Malachi and all of the prophets clung to was that they would be rescued. They would be rescued. It's so important that we remember our preparation is not our salvation, nor is it a rescue. See, the rescue has been done. The sin has been paid for. Rather, our preparation is our response to that rescue. The response to what Jesus has already done for us and in us. In the movie Captain Phillips, starring Tom Hanks. If you've ever watched it, anybody seen the Tom Hanks movie, Captain Phillips? Okay, you've seen it, honey, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I just want to let you know, you have seen it. Because I've seen it. Okay, it's based on a true story about Captain Phillips, who was a cargo ship. He, he was the captain on the car, car, cargo ship. For, for a series of, of events, he had been, uh, the Somali pirates had boarded his ship, and they uh, got to the, the captain's, the, the, the whatever, cab, the whatever, what is it? I can't remember. What? Pilot house, is it the pilot house? The pilot house. The pilot house. They got to the pilot house. Thank you, John. They got to the pilot house and uh, they captured all of the crew and they captured cap they they cap cap captured Captain Phillips. Okay. But through a series of events, Captain Phillips somehow talked his his captors to let all of his crew go and only take him and take him in one of the lifeboats and use him for ransom. And the pirates uh, say, okay. And they jump in their thing and they make, in this lifeboat, they beeline it for Somalia, looking to cash in on this captain. They're going to get a big bounty. They're going to, they're going to bribe the, the government to pay up for this, for this captain. Well, one of the best moments in this film, and the moment that had 
to be one of the best moments in Captain, the real Captain Phillips' life is, is uh, when out of the darkness, horns of the USS Bainbridge thunder. Through, they thunder through the sea and, flood, and floodlights illuminate the ocean and the lifeboat. You see, you can see the relief and, and elation wash over Captain Phillips' face when this happens. The U.S. Bainbridge is one of 46 guided missile destroyers in the U.S. Navy. So this isn't a little boat, by the way. This is a big boat with massive guns and missile capabilities. This, this ship can destroy 100 targets simultaneously. When the Bain, when Bainbridge came to the rescue, you know the pirates are in trouble and that a real hope has finally arrived. And watching the film, you might think, man, I never want to be on the wrong side of the U.S. Navy. <laughs> you know, one thing I hope you understand about Christmas is in the midst of this sentimentality of native, native scenes, is that in, in, the, in the soft sweetness of Away in the Manger, all them little hymns that we sing at Christmas, you know, this Christmas... That Christmas, that first Christmas, guess what it was? It was a rescue mission to save you. Rescue mission. And you think the U.S. Bainbridge was going to have good power? We're talking Jesus now. You know, the one, the one who came to save and rescue us wasn't some outgunned, outclassed, or hopeless underdog. The one who came to rescue was Emmanuel, God with us, who had the power and authority to call down all the angels of heaven for his purpose and desires. The ancient one humbled himself to become fully man because we were the hostages being held captive by sin. Christmas was the beginning of the rescue mission that was conceived and carried out on our behalf by none other than God himself. The first Christmas was a rescue mission. He rescued you. So this advert, I'm not expecting and preparing to be stressed out and overwhelmed, and I hope you're not too. I want to, I'm, ex, I'm not expecting things to fall apart, and they probably will. I'm not, I'm not preparing to be defeated. I'm, I am waiting expectantly for God to come through for you and for me. I want God to show up. I am waiting expectantly for Jesus to be revealed in not just my life or one person's life, but all of our lives. I am waiting expectantly knowing that he is preparing me for heaven and chiseling away, me and you for heaven and chiseling away at the hardness of our hearts. He's, he is the, the, the creator. He chisels away at your lives. He perfects you. You can't perfect you. You tried. You screwed up. He is he's the one who's got to change you. I am waiting expectantly for the plans he has for you and me and for this church. Because I believe he has great plans. Not just for this Advent season, but for the life 
until he comes back. I am waiting expectantly for his kingdom to advance. I am waiting expectantly for, for the lost to be found and the blind to see. I am waiting expectantly for his love to be made known to the hurting and to dying world through you and through me. That's why we do the things we do. We do stuff like Christmas child boxes and we do the mission tree boxes. Do you know why? Because we can't go there. But that touches the lives of, of people that Jesus wants to reach. So God can use this little church to reach and do amazing things. Because to me, I don't know how this church had 900, over 900 boxes out. I don't know how we raised the money for Josiah last week. I don't know how we raised the money we do for the Christmas tree and still pay all our bills. You know? Do you know? I do know, but it's, it's God. I don't know how he does it, but that's what happens. He's using this church, and I want to see more. I'm not satisfied. I am waiting expectantly for Jesus to return and to claim his bride. And this is what it's going to be like. Revelation 1, 21, 1 through 4 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away. This is, this is so beautiful. I didn't change the slide. I didn't change the slide. So... He will wipe away every tear from, your, from their eyes. That's when we go to heaven, there is no tears. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. There's no sadness. No crying. Nor pain. I know there's a lot of people that suffer with pain. There is no pain in heaven. For the former things have passed away. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. God has came. We have been rescued. And though his rescue, and through his rescue, we have been saved and brought back home. Because of that rescue is complete. Our best response is to prepare in great expectation of the realization of all that Jesus has accomplished when, he, he, when we see him at the second advent. You know, that's what we need to prepare for. Jesus coming back. We need to be getting ready, not just because I think it's going to happen tomorrow, because I don't know when it's going to happen. I might outlive it. But we need to prepare our hearts and minds to become more like Jesus so we can prepare more people to be more like Jesus and live out our lives. And to do that, for the next 30 days, you can read a devotional that goes along with the sermon series. We're going to give everybody here one of these devotions. 
free of charge. That means no charge. Not $50 <laughs> a month, no subscription. You get one as you walk out the door. Okay? That is our gift as a church to each and every person in this church. And it starts today, uh, so read it. Uh, if you want to read it as a, a, a couple or a family, that's also good because it gets everybody in the house together, getting in. But there's a free buck for everybody that came today, okay? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being such a great and awesome God. You came and you rescued us. You rescued us before we even knew we needed rescuing God. And you showed up. We didn't ask for it, but you did it because you knew we needed it. Because you loved us first. I pray that we can prepare our hearts this Christmas. And, and because we're preparing our hearts this Christmas, that it doesn't just change us for this season of Advent, but it changes us forever to become more and more like you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.